Blog Talk Radio. Father, 
Father God, we praise you and we thank you once again, always, for the opportunity to be able to serve you and to gather, uh, even in an electronic ecclesia where we're able to spend time in prayer, spend time sharing th- uh, epiphanies, revelations, things that you have shown us in the scripture, things that you show us sometimes in real time in the scripture, uh, like I think the last live show that we did uh was like and i just praise you father for the everything because if it wasn't for your hand and my being able to maintain employment as um incredibly uh what's the right word a common colloquialism as hairy as it is these days uh, and risky as it is these days to attempt to try to keep your employment when many, many companies are laying off tens if not hundreds of thousands of people. Father, what a blessing you are. We thank you for uh, your divine protection. There are so many Many, many Christians, many, many people that at least believe that they're Christians or try to do the best they can or I don't even know how to refer to them, but they definitely believe in you, Jesus. It's just maybe they're, the way they walk is a little bit different than what those of us who are more intimate with your scripture would believe is the best possible way to live your life. But nevertheless, Father, we're not here to judge our fellow brothers and sisters because we know that at the end of this journey, when we include the Great Tribulation, when we include all of the different groups that are uh, of our fellow brothers and sisters that are going to have to go through the different manifestations of judgment and exceedingly difficult periods of tribulation uh, in the days ahead, that um, they deserve nothing more than the most fervent of our prayers right now to hopefully out of your mercy, wake them up as early as possible and uh, ideally bring them to a place where they fall to their flat on their face. They lay prostrate like Daniel did when the angel showed up uh, and seek you in in tears, um, praying with all of their heart uh, to be found worthy to escape all these things that are about to come upon the earth and stand before you, Lord Jesus, at the wedding supper. Father, we thank you for all of the things that you have shown us. We thank you again for those supernatural uh, scriptural revelations that uh, you've, you've poured out on occasion on different programs uh, and on this, this program as well. Father, we also thank you for um, the um, white paper that was given for, by the Satanist uh, turned uh, you know, uh, to Christ. Uh, given to John Melindy and published out on the internet about how Satan stops our prayers, combat in the heavenly realm or the spiritual realm, depending on which, you know, how you look at it. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be able to play that as a best of show, because if only one additional person hears that guidance, hears that it's more than just guidance, it's fact, hears those facts and changes their prayer life and their prayer style, it's it's worth, it's so much worth it. 
It is amazingly worth it. If we could just somehow, if there was some supernatural way that we were able to get that information into the hearts, the minds, and the practices of our fellow brothers and sisters, oh, Lord, how many more people would be saved? How many more people would be spared the horrors of the World Economic Forum and the CBDCs and being cast out of their houses and walking through the streets and, and you know, having to go through, well, the horrors of the judgments that are going to be a part of those who have to dwell upon the earth and uh, be part of the very final harvest that is uh, ultimately happens in the middle of the day of the Lord in the sixth seal. Father, we thank you for um, bringing us to a place where maybe with by putting those understandings into practice, we're able to make a greater dent in the progress of the darkness. Now, we know and we understand from the prophecies, dreams, and visions in your word that the darkness will rise simultaneously as the um, bride of Jesus Christ rises up. Father, we praise you um, uh, for helping us to understand and showing us where in the scriptures and in the parables uh, the proof of this actually exists when people um, uh, are able to see the details of the words and to spend the time to look up the words and to really ponder it, not just to breeze over it and to read it and go, oh, yeah, I remember that scripture, but to really ask the tough questions and to come to um, uh, revelations that are nothing less than incredibly mysterious, mysteries of the Bible. And Father, without that understanding, not that we've arrived or not that we've acquired all of those understandings, but with those that we have been blessed by, we have a a really good understanding of uh, where we are today, um, the probability or likelihood that we're very, very close to leaving, although it'll probably be much later than we would rather. Um, But nevertheless, we pray, Father, that you will continue to pour out your grace upon us in our walks, because we know that there's just no possible way that we're going to walk perfectly. There's no possible way that our sin will not always be before us. Uh, There's no possible way that we're going to uh, walk perfectly and and completely and utterly sin-free in the days ahead, and we pray that you will help Help us, Father, more than anything, more than anything. We pray in Jesus' name that you will continue to reveal to us in our in our pursuit of sanctification to the level that would please you harmoniously as best as we possibly can, and to make you, Jesus, smile and be happy and be excited about welcome, welcoming us to the marriage supper. Lord, we cannot tell you how blessed we know that we are, even though many of us, including myself, are, well, pretty sick and hard and fed up with being here, um, and for good reason, and I think that I know that you would understand these things. I know no doubt in my mind, Lord Jesus, that you definitely would understand these things, and I've seen the sympathy and the empathy in the words of the prophecies uh, of many of your prophets over the last 10 years, indeed that long, uh, you know, sympathizing with our plight of being incredibly weary in our, um, uh, you know, our, our best efforts to try and perform self examination to look at all the things that we feel in our hearts to go to go on that roller coaster ride that's associated with the good times the bad times the um, refiners fire and sometimes outright attacks from Satan uh, that uh, that can happen from indirect threat vectors that we may not be may, maybe we didn't see it coming maybe we didn't uh, pray using appropriate spiritual warfare tactics to block the attacks that may have come in you know maybe due to 
no fault of our own. Um, you know, oftentimes we assume, Father God, that, that, you know, Satan can't attack us and he can't touch us. But we're, we're not Jesus. We're not walking in a perfect state of uh, uh, God incarnate in a, a human body. Um, and, you know, there's... It's, there are scriptures clearly clear as a bell that's that's make statements like the the one in James it says if anyone knows to do good and does not do it to them it is a sin for us to be able to walk like that and have that kind of courage and that kind of faith and and to be constantly cognizantly thinking in every millisecond of our walk throughout no matter where we are whatever grocery store whatever we're picking up whatever mailbox we're stopping at whatever it is that we're doing in our daily walk, that we would be so uh, imbued with the presence of the Holy Spirit that we would see every single opportunity that was laid before us, that we would uh, have the courage and and, uh, be, you know, just just no no fear of rejection whatsoever, no fear of arrest and being placed in jail without any concern whatsoever of, uh, uh, of the importance of making proper prudent choices uh, that would allow us to serve you for a longer period of time as opposed to grabbing a megaphone and intentionally breaking the law. Uh, we have to walk in a prudent, wise as serpents uh, state of mind and, and in these exceedingly dark times that we are in right now. And I do mean exceedingly. I believe with all of my heart a hundred times more dark than this earth has ever seen, absolutely worse than before the time of Noah. And I believe that with all of my heart, praise God, thank you, Jesus, because we see these things being made manifest. Babies that are being found inside of chests that are frozen and stacked upon one another so that their organs can be harvested. These buildings that are being taken apart by the Russian soldiers, and they're seeing little children being cut up like piglets. The, you know, the things that are so horrible and just unbelievable, the, the these these LGBT entities, Father God, that I don't even think in many cases are even really salvageable, They're twice dead if at best. Father God, we're seeing alien-human hybrids that are telepathically controlling people in our Congress, and we're seeing it on live videos. Father God, manifestations of demon-possessed people walking along the ceilings of airplanes that are in flight. This is just, this is, these things are just not possible, but yet we're seeing these things made manifest before us, and and we're utterly befuddled beyond words. We cannot understand for the life of us how other brothers and sisters or even unbelievers are just simply not able to understand. They cannot comprehend that there can be darkness that is that dark. And so they reject it. They reject it as to being part of the truth. And they sit there asking the same ignorant questions over and over again in their state of denial. Father, we're in a situation right now that I cannot imagine could have ever happened in, uh, in the history of the world. And, and I pray in the name of Jesus, Father God, that you will continue to pour out your grace upon each of us. Father, and I'm not talking about just a normal portion of grace or an abundant portion of grace, such as that which was offered to the Apostle Paul when he was going through his, um, uh, you know, his, his uh, uh, period of um, uh, dealing with the demons that were buffeting him. Uh, uh, but, but Father, I'm talking about having mercy upon us that is, that is uh, in alignment. Mercy that is, um, what's the right word, that aligns in magnitude 
to the things that we are being forced, and I do mean forced because of our presence having to be here on this earth, because your scripture clearly says in Isaiah 57 verse 1 that you take people, your believers, your uh, saints away from the earth to take them away from evil. And precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. So, Father God, we know that you could take us home, but we know that if you're not taking us home, there is a high level of likelihood that it's because you have expectations, uh, Psalm 139, verse 16, Ephesians 2.10, of us walking in the works that you have written in our books since before we were brought here to this place. So evidently, in accordance with your scripture, there is some expectation uh, that certainly aligns, I would expect, at the very minimum, to Luke 12, verses 47 and 48, to whom much has been given, much will be required, and, uh, and to, uh, oh, I can't forget the second, I forget the second part, uh, they will ask all the more. Father, we understand in the name of Jesus, and we praise your holy name, that that certainly does seem to strongly indicate, because you certainly, I cannot imagine that you would want to punish us. I can't imagine that you would want to hurt us. So there has to be a divine purpose for us to be here. There are so many of our brothers and sisters, I could name names, many, many of them, praise your holy name, Father God, that have gone home, uh, you know, uh, and uh, they could have done, I would imagine, or I, I don't understand it, and none of us do, but there's many, many names of incredibly uh, anointed Christians that have done wonderful, fabulous things on behalf of the kingdom during their times. Many of us have seen them at conferences. Many of us have, have heard of them, heard them on radio shows, uh, YouTube videos, read their books, and they're no longer with us. They have gone home to heaven to be with you, even in the midst of this direct bioweapon attack against humanity. Yet we are still here. So the only thing that we can appropriately assume that aligns to your holy word is that at that point in their walk, they had fulfilled what you knew that they would fulfill, that you had written in their book of remembrance, those works which you expected them, taking us to our expected end, that you would have expected them to have done on behalf of the kingdom. And it was their time to be relieved of the evil that we, Isaiah 57, 1, that we are still stuck here subject to. And your scripture does clearly say that we are to, we're indeed, not just say, but commands us to watch ye therefore. Watch ye therefore. Watch and pray. It, it's, it's stated so many times. It's unbelievable. And, and, and to those who aren't watching, how would they even know Luke 21, 36 is the prayer that they ought to be praying to be found worthy to escape all these things? Because it would only be you, Father God, and our Lord Jesus that would find us worthy, because it would certainly not be on account of any of our own beliefs or behaviors. Because that would be an affront to you, Father. It would be a presumptuous sin. It would reek of not being of a contrite spirit. It would certainly not imbue the beatitudes and the humility that we're called to have as part of our walk. Uh, Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, goodness, and self-control, against which there is no law. 
Father, we pray that you will help us. And, and in accordance with the magnitude of the evil that we are being expected to walk through, we're asking for an equal portion, if not a double portion, of your grace to be poured out upon us. That grace will cause us, in the name of Jesus, we pray, to be able to endure uh, being exposed to levels of horror and ugliness uh, as we watch and pray, as we try our best to prepare both spiritually and physically for the things that we can reasonably well uh, anticipate could or most likely would happen while we are still here while really having no exact idea of when precisely when we're going to leave. And we praise you, Father, so much for the prophecy from Brother Dan and God's Healer 7. I, I, don't know, I don't know anything about them right now. I have not been following them, and I hope that they're okay. But, Father, the prophecy from, what, eight years ago where Brother Dan said, no longer, no longer sh- through your word, Father, no longer should we uh, be trying to figure out you know, we're supposed to be watching for the events. Look at the things that are happening around us. And those events will tell us that we're in that fig tree season, as it were, that the, that the season was upon us, and then followed by Luke 21, 36, immediately thereafter, that parable. How amazing. And Father, we just thank you for helping us to understand that watching for these events, as difficult as it is, because we cannot watch these events take place. We cannot tune in to the wiles of the devil without being exposed to unbelievable, unspeakable abominations and horrors. And it is traumatizing. And we pray in the name of Jesus, Father God, for an, a, a, for a portion of your grace, a portion of your strength, a portion of the strength that you would give Joshua, that to be strong and of good courage, to be not afraid, nor thou be dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Father, we need that type of courage. We need to be able to stand strong in the midst of the darkness. We need to understand that when that that the, that that perhaps our particular desire to serve you at any given time might not be prudent, that we, we may be putting ourselves in jeopardy. We may be th- getting ourselves thrown in jail when we could have done a lot better or a lot more for you if we weren't in jail. While it's a wonderful testimony, it may not be the place that we can touch the most people's souls. And, Father, we pray for that type of wisdom as well, for we don't want to walk into a trap. We don't want to be in a place we want your holy angels, your warrior angels, to be protecting us and to guide us, that we would hear uh, uh, your, uh, in our ear a voice behind us saying, this is the way, walk in it. Whenever you turn to the left hand or whenever you turn to the right, give us the wisdom to understand. In the name of Jesus, we pray, Father God, when we are about to do something that is going to end us up in jail, that is going to end, us getting, end up getting a shot by some type of LGBT entity. Father God, we need to understand these things to divinely protect us so that it is that, 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 that we, we do not become a victim of our own fervor to serve you. 
to understand that if we would have made that left turn at the right time, that we would have avoided prison, we would have avoided getting shot by one of these entities. Father God, we need that kind of divine protection. We need your angels to guide our every step. Protect us from ourselves in Jesus' name. Help us to be able to see not just what we feel in our heart is the right thing to do, but what is the most prudent and wise thing to do on the greater good of the kingdom for, so that we're able to walk in the fullness of the works that you have recorded in our books and Psalm 139, verse 16. There are so many things that we could do on behalf of the kingdom that may not be the best choices. Because we are living in an exceedingly dark, oh my goodness gracious sakes alive, people are in jail five, six, seven, ten years in some cases for things that never even happened, for false flag events and lies from, from these, these tares that don't even belong on this planet, for essentially. And Father God, we just praise you and we, we know that you are going to make it just like, just, just like so many of the sayings and colloquialism say. There is no such thing as a, an atheist in a foxhole. Just like the movie Goodbye, or, not, or just like the song by Billy Joel, Goodbye Saigon says in its lyrics, and we cried out to Jesus Christ with all of our might. Help us to be able to understand with your wisdom, Father God, not ours, that which is imparted to us through the presence of the Holy Spirit and Jesus in us, that we are simply here to lend that helping hand, to touch people immensely and powerfully with our prayer, to pray for the lost, to pray for our, our, our fellow loved ones and our fellow uh, uh, brothers and sisters, and to understand the importance of that prayer, that that fervent prayer can be, bar none, the most important and powerful thing that any one of us can do, far more powerful than any megaphone, far more powerful than anything else. We have been trained incorrectly. We do not understand that prayer is, bar none, the most powerful thing that we any of us can do other than to love and show kindness to other people and to share the, the name of Jesus even if it's a gentle mention or just a, uh, a shirt on our uh, or, or, or a ball cap on our head. Father, we need to understand these things and walk in this wisdom so that we're able to walk in the fullness of the works that you have aligned for us that we do not get taken out early. Because the days are upon us where many of our brothers and sisters are just doing what they think is the right thing to do, but at the same time they're getting arrested and they're no longer able to do the things that you wanted them to do. Father, help us to not just blindly walk out and make decisions. Help us to, to seek your wisdom, to seek confirmations, to understand, to use a little bit of the God-given wisdom that you have given us to understand when we ought to and ought to not. Father, I know as a fact that I would be dead already. I know as a fact that I would have no job. I know it is a fact. I have had senior, senior firing directors come to me on the phone and say, what is this? Who are you? Why why is this website up here denigrating you? How come this links over to your... And knowing that I was going to be terminated immediately, knowing that the call that I was on was a termination call, and that supernaturally you had given me exactly the right words to say, thank you, Jesus, that I, that I literally walked away from that call and ended up getting two promotions within a year of the call. Hallelujah! understanding what it meant in my walk when, you, when I was afraid for my life, I was afraid for my job, I was afraid for everything. I had every single person working with, that was working with this radio show stabbing me in the back, doing horrible things to me, setting up radio programs, YouTube videos, websites to denigrate me and to destroy my career and bawling my eyes out on my knees, Father God. I remember it like it was yesterday. On my knees, on my prayer chair, anointed with oil, crying my eyes out and begging you, Father, please help me. I am doomed. 
and having you say to me clear as clear could be on my way out of the door of the room while tears rolled down my eyes. Do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? Thank you, Father. That is the only reason I can walk fearlessly and continue to do this program. There are people almost every day being thrown in jail for talking about exactly what I talk about on this program three times a week, minimum. And I know that when the time comes, if the time should come, before our rescue mission, before the barley harvest, that that's just simply my upside-down cross, and I'll be joining Peter. And that's fine. If that is my destiny, praise you, Jesus. But I pray, Father God, in the name of Jesus, that you will continue to give each one of us that wisdom. And this is a supernatural wisdom. This is not a fleshy wisdom. Too many of us have been doing things certain ways. We believe certain things. We, we, I can't. If I had a dime for every time somebody said to me, well, I've done this and I've done that and I've said this and I've said that and I've you know, gone to this place and I've gone to that place, well, I guess the only thing I can do now is pray. Oh, Father, if I only had a dime... And we praise you, Father God, for showing us that the greatest contribution that we can make to the kingdom is always going to be prayer. It is our destination to bring down heaven's resources. It is yours, Father. It's even in your word. Isaiah 43, 25 says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. For my own sake, I will repeat, for my own sake. I blot out your transgressions for my own sake. And I will not remember your sins. Keep me in remembrance and let us contend together. Hallelujah. In prayer, we call down the power of the angels, the power of the heavens, the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we command the mountains to move in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ until it is time for us to come home in any way that you desire, Father God. But let us understand where our priorities lie, and that is to take every moment that we possibly can to walk in that divine uh, providence that you have established for us before we were born and written into our books. Let us make those decisions in accordance with your guidance. Give us that word. Anoint our spirits so that we know that we're not supposed to walk this way or that way and that we make those rightful decisions and say the right things at the right time so that we do not get taken out of the running early. We praise you, Father God, and we thank you for helping us to be able to navigate ambiguity of darkness and sinister evil that has never made, been made manifest in such quantities as today. I am absolutely certain beyond any shadow of a doubt that there were no alien-human hybrids controlling lawmakers during the Roman times. I believe it with all of my heart. I do not believe there was a manifestation of any of the things, most any of the things. Some of the things, yes. Some of the things, yes. But many of the things that we are seeing right now are things that were clearly not happening during the Roman times, clearly not happening when Jesus was walking the earth. I believe that has everything to do with why Jesus said, and greater things than these will we do, because he goes unto the Father. And if there's ever been a time for us to do greater things, it is now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And there will be even greater things than this group does. 
because the, the sicker and the more twisted and the more evil, the magnitude of the darkness rises, the more glorious, the light of Jesus Christ will shine, the miracles will follow, the arms will be grown out, the babies will be raised from the dead, and, and there will be our fellow brothers and sisters who have gone through some of the most fiery trials that the world has ever seen, and they will be at the helm with the power of the Holy Spirit and a manifestation of the power of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ such as the world has never seen. And let our prayer lives be the first iteration of that which you have already prophesied would indeed happen during the days that we are in right now because we're running out of time. Therefore, it must be now because there is nothing that Smith Wigglesworth did that wasn't any more impressive than what Jesus did. There was nothing that Lester Summerall did that was any more impressive than what Jesus did. There was nothing that any, any, any of A.A. Uh, a. Allen, you name it, there is nobody, no, no, uh, uh, you know, uh, General Booth, you take your pick, any of the forefathers, any of the uh, grand lieutenants of, of our uh, uh, predecessors in Jesus Christ that walked this earth that were well known. Not one, not one, not one of them did greater things than what you did, Jesus. Not one of them. May we understand what that means. May we step outside of the box that the church would nail us into. May we understand that the last verse in the uh, book of John Gospel of John says, I suppose that if we had written everything down that Jesus had done, it would fill up enough books to fill up the entire world, which is proof positive beyond any shadow of a doubt that the Bible does not have but a tiny, tiny little percentage of the things that we could know or ought to know in it. Those who page through the Bible endlessly looking for some proof that they're allowed to do something are wasting time. We don't have time to waste. There are souls to be saved, and they can be saved through the power of our prayer. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And Father, we praise you because if it wouldn't have been for your loving kindness, your patience, your mercy, your grace, many of us wouldn't be here right now. Many of us, I really don't believe, I, I, think, I think we would have failed. I think, I think we would have tripped and fallen. I know people. And Father, I just want to ask you on behalf of every single person, every single person, I, I don't, Wednesday night listeners, Sunday night listeners, uh, inter, excuse me, intermittent listeners, listeners from 10 years ago, listeners from five years ago, listeners that are brand new. Father, I ask on behalf of every one of them, not just those who participate in the prayer vigil or listen to it in the form of a podcast. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that every single one of them will be supernaturally touched, that, that, that something will come to their recollection through the power of the Holy Spirit and the presence of Jesus in them. For it is no longer we who lives, but Christ who lives in us. Therefore, that power of the Godhead exists. It is imbued within the very spirit that we carry within us. That is the true reality of who we are. We are a spirit, a, a, a light being, a spirit person, a minor God that is trapped through incarnation into a human body for this testing and trial period that is 
well, the whole purpose of which is to serve you, that we're not even supposed to be friends with the earth in any way. There should be no earthly ambitions whatsoever in our hearts. The only things that we should be uh, have ambition about is drawing closer to you, becoming more intimate with you, and becoming more obsessed with you, and that our love would grow so abundantly that through our senses and sensitivities and the presence of the Holy Spirit, we would be able to say just the right words at just the right time, even if it was just one or two, but also to recognize when it's foolhardy to throw our pearls before swine. It's not one of my favorite scriptures. I don't like to think of anybody as swine, but I do understand why the magnitude of that word had to be used. Because that would be the type of individual that would kill us. And we need discernment or imprison us. And we need discernment and divine protection to protect us from our own folly. Because sometimes our human natureness overtakes our godly wisdomness. Matter of fact, it probably is more often than not. And that's why we're praying, please, Father, change us, make us become your word. If it is no longer we who lives, but Christ who lives in us, then we should be becoming your word. Place upon us a desire and a set of priorities, even if they're new priorities in our lives, to spend more time reading at least as much of the New Testament over and over again as we can so that we're able to understand and recognize also before we start reading it that those are not options. It's a guidebook. It's a, uh, it's a rule book, a rule book that says this is exactly how you should be. And to understand that that becomes our target. That becomes that. What we read in the New Testament becomes the target of our walk. It becomes that which we should be continuously striving to become, to live. Not as a whoopsie-daisy afterthought, but something that becomes who we are. That we love because we can't help it. We cannot imagine, no matter how horribly we've been treated by somebody, no matter how horribly some of us may have been treated by somebody in our past lives. Maybe that person isn't even alive. Father, there's nothing, there's not a single word anywhere in your scripture that says that we cannot pray for people who have gone, who have moved off, off this planet who have moved on. And there are testimonies, I've seen them on Sid Roth, where people were in hell and their family did not know it and they continued to pray for them and you sent angels to take them out of hell. Imagine if the family members had gone to a church, heard that their uh, son or daughter who was in hell uh, had already passed on and they stopped praying, even though the Bible doesn't say we have to. And greater things than these will they do, because Jesus has gone unto the Father. Why do we cram ourselves into a 12-ounce can? Why do we 
try to smush you, Father God, into a thimble? Why do we try? Why, why do we take this, this the pathetic ability that we have to uh, how minimalistic it is to understand your glory and to try to make it so that it fits some sort of a a, a mold of what we think ought to be right or we think ought to be wrong or somebody standing at a podium said had to be right or wrong, even though it's not in the Bible and there's nothing in there that says we can't. Why is it that the Apostle Paul said in his first letter to the Church of Corinth, uh, you know, that um, mentioned that they were um, praying uh, uh, for the baptism of the dead? He never said there was anything wrong with it, but why were they doing it in the first place? If it was a meaningless thing to do, then what would be the purpose of doing it? Paul never admonished them. Paul never said you shouldn't do that. He did not say those words, but yet they were doing it. Why? Father, we thank you for showing us these things in your scripture because it helps us to open up our hearts, our minds, our soul, our spirit, and to understand through the revelation of your scripture and also through us asking those questions that are outside of the box, the box that we try to get nailed in because we're sitting in in front of somebody whose father's 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 father was a preacher and their grandfather was a preacher and they always taught this and they always taught that and that's just the way it always was. Well, if we live inside of that box. We're never going to fulfill the prophecies that were told about us. We thank you, Father God, for those who have dedicated their lives to prophesying. Um, Some people like to call it being in the office of a prophet. You know, I I don't, I'm, all I got to say, Father, is I just want to thank you because so many over the last 12 years, maybe longer, uh, and certainly there were many of the prophecies that were prophesied hundreds of years ago. But when we put them all together, we're able, particularly certain ones, certain special ones, they tell a story. They expand our understanding of what we're capable of. That is way outside that coffin of understanding that we get shoved into by sitting in front of a, by sitting in a pew every Sunday thinking that somehow we've arrived. Expand our hearts and our thoughts, Father, in the name of Jesus, that we're able to imagine your greatness, to imagine the power that you bestowed upon us, to understand the power of Jesus and what he told us and how we should act and what we should expect when we pray certain ways. And yes, understand that, yeah, maybe, maybe you know, to not be so disappointed when we don't see the mountain just jump off the, the face of the earth and go you know, jettisoning into the sea, but also understand that in the midst of that, we should be praising and understanding that that you're a last-minute God, that you are going to test the righteous, that it's no different than when when Abraham lifted up his, 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 uh, his knife above Isaac. It wasn't until the last nanosecond that you stopped him, arguably one of the greatest tests ever passed in the entire Holy Bible. And understanding that we are no greater... None of us are greater than another. We are all part of the body of Christ. We are all on the same level as Abraham, Paul, Peter, and every one of them. With the exception of that we were not there to be called. We were not part of those who Jesus chose at that moment in time. 
but it's very clear in John 15:16 that it is you, Father God, who ordains. It is not the church. It is not the Bible colleges. It is you, Father God, who ordains. Jesus is the head of the church, and we walk in that, and we praise you and we thank you, Father God, for the, for the things that you have shown us so that we can step outside of that box and understand how great thou art. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And we just praise you, Father, because we need to have instilled into our hearts a new uh, uh, infilling, a new infilling of um, power, excitement, strength, wherewithal, uh, take away the dismay, take away the depression, help us to set goals, help us to be able to move to that next level, help us to understand we are not going to get our prayers answered immediately, that we're going to have to praise your holy name, sometimes for years to be able to see them made manifest, and that if we pray outside of your perfect will for us, we are not going to see anything. We will see something else uh, that will be more divine and more glorious, but we will, but it'll be up to us and the presence of the Holy Spirit to be able to discern that, and the answer to our prayers could happen in eternity. We never consider that to you, our time on the earth is part of the eternal walk. Thank you, Jesus. And we thank you, Father, for all of these revelations, all of these understandings, because without them, it would be infinitely, infinitely, I don't even know a multiplier that I can say how much harder it would be for us to be able to walk on this earth to endure the things that we are being asked to, well, I'm being commanded to endure indeed. It would be almost the trauma that many of us would be enduring, the depression, the roller coaster ride, the feelings of hopelessness, wondering so many negative things that we shouldn't be wondering, and we're admonished and instructed in the Scripture not to be. We need your help, and we pray in the name of Jesus, Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ, our King, the lover of our souls, Abba Father, dear Father, please, in Jesus' name, for an outpouring that is tantamount to the amount of evil that we are exposed to, so that we are able to be strengthened in accordance with the magnitude of that evil, so that we are able to overcome it. If we have to be able to climb over the top of a mountain like Mount Everest, are we not going to have to have more strength in our bodies to make it over that mountain than someone who was trying to get over a smaller hill? And indeed, we would. And that's why we're coming to you as our Father, knowing that what we're going through is unbelievable, and asking you, Father, for an outpouring that is far more intense and anointed than anything that has ever happened in the history of the world, because we need that anointing. We need that strength. We need to not become depressed. We need to not feel sorry for ourselves. We need to not be miserable in our pathetic situations that we are trapped in here, Father God, and to be able to have the joy of Jesus in our heart as we make up our minds that we are going to make it over the top of that mountain, but we need you to strengthen us. We need your anointing. We need you, Father God, to help us see the way down that narrow path, even while the road, that narrow path is crumbling underneath our feet and there are 
uh, rocks and, and, and broken fences along the, the cliff to our right and that we can easily fall down at any moment. We could be brought under attack and not even see it come. And Father, there are so many threat vectors that exist today that didn't in the past. We need your extra help and we beseech you with all of our heart, Father, in the name of Jesus, that we may serve you in accordance with that which you have written in our books to the very end. To the very end. To that expected end. We praise you, Father God, and we thank you in the name of Jesus. I praise you, Father God, and I thank you for for saving my job, for saving this radio show an untold number of times, probably thousands, with, without me even being aware of it, uh, certainly a, a handful of times uh, that I am aware of, and, and also the supernatural events that you have um, poured out upon my life that, that I can reflect back upon. Do I know who you are? Shame on me. I think I kind of do, Father. I've seen you time and time again come to my rescue, feeling flush down the back of my neck, knowing that I was about to be terminated, being put in unbelievably desperate situations, just like the... the. Uh, the knee surgery thing. Having the leadership of my department and several other departments being called into an unplanned meeting, which invariably always means that there is an imminent layoff to occur, literally days before I was supposed to have gotten approved for surgery for my knee. And if, and if I had been laid off, then I would be crippled the rest of my life. Or there would have to be some other miracle that would occur to pull me out of it. The situation was unbelievably dire. But yet, you came through again. I still have my job. I got my knee surgery. And then, Father, just like you always like to do, you put me right into the next test. And you let me experience a far more difficult and complex surgery than anyone I've ever heard had to go through for this type of surgery. To actually have the surgeon himself come over to you while you're still on anesthesia, explaining to you what an extremely difficult problem it was. I remember what he said, and I rebuke it. I remember what he said, and I know in my heart that he was telling me while I was under anesthesia because he figured I wouldn't remember, but I do. And I rebuke it. I praise you, Father God, for a full restoration. I need to start working out. I need to be able to go on that fork on the road and make that correct turn so that I am in better shape working out and at the ready to be able to walk in the works that you have written in my book. And every single one of the people that are listening to the show right now feel exactly the same way or they wouldn't be here on a Friday night. They'd be watching some rerun of Gomer Pyle or who knows what. Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to be able to serve you, but we are not shy about asking you for what you can give us and believing that you will. 
If there are behaviors that, that we, you know, like I am guilty as charged, I slip into states of depression. I feel sometimes like things are taking way too long, that they shouldn't be taking as long as they ought to be taking. I think that the earth is so sick and twisted and dark that you should have firebombed it a long time ago. And I don't understand that level of mercy when I see the horrors that are happening across the world. But it's okay, Father, because I know, because I can see it happening. I can see it happening. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I can see what the people are saying. They may not be especially good Christians, they may be acting and behaving in certain ways that are very unchristian-like, but they are at least professing the name of the Lord Jesus. They are waking up to understand that these are apocalyptic events, these are biblical events, and that and that is exactly what we all need to be seeing. We all need to be recognizing that the people are no longer walking slow and wondering which direction that they're going, but they're starting to jog toward that plane that is leaving this planet and going to glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And those are the ones that you're calling. And we thank you, Father, for that. We pray in the name of Jesus that every single person that is, that I, I if, look, if it's happening on Twitter, it's happening on Facebook. If it's happening on Facebook, it's happening on uh, Instagram. If it's happening on Instagram, it's happening on goodness gracious knows where. And that means it's happening all over the place. It's happening on websites. It's happening in emails. It's happening in Bible studies. It's happening all over. People are awakening. People are seeing. And if they awaken even just a little bit to understand that this is about Jesus, if they are waking even just a little bit to understand that this is about the end times, that this is about us going home ultimately, even if they become a foolish virgin. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, because the tribulation saints are no less than what we are really right now. We just hope and pray, and I hope and pray that we pray always to be found worthy to escape all these things that are about to come upon the earth and stand before you. And we know from the testimonies of the people that have been taken to heaven that if we go to heaven and we are standing before you, we are inside the city of the living God, Mount Zion, with an innumerable company of angels, with just men made perfect, where the new Jerusalem, well, will eventually become the new Jerusalem, where the heavenly Jerusalem resides, right now up on the mountain in heaven. Hallelujah. Well, no wonder your scripture says, who will climb that holy hill? That's because it is a hill. It is an upward walk to get even to the gates of heaven, or the, the, the gates of, of, of the city of the living God. Hallelujah. And we thank you, Jesus. And we also know that 90 plus percent, if not the vast majority, probably even like 99 percent of the Christians who do go to heaven do not get to see Jesus right away. They are in the uh, suburbial sections, in the country mansion areas. They're pretty darn far away. Thank you, Jesus, for helping us understand this from the city of God, from Mount Zion. And it may be a long time before they see Jesus. We don't want to be that group. Father, we're going to tell you straight up, in accordance with the promise, the promises that we shared on the last live prayer vigil, and the talents and rewards, in the parable of the workers in the vineyard, prodigal son, so many places all over the Bible, Father God, to give us imminent hope, to help us to understand that there isn't a time limit. It's not like you're sitting there, Father God, on your throne in heaven looking at the watch and going, boy, when that big hand hits the 12, then I'm not going to let anybody else be eligible to be part of the bride of Jesus Christ. Because that's not how it works. Praise you, Jesus. We thank you, Father God, for even taking the last-minute people that throw themselves at your mercy, Father, and seek you. If their hearts are so full of, if they're just the right personality type, and that has a lot to do with it, and I don't understand all those things, Father. But I do know that if they are the right personality type, they, if they were... Um, correctly, supernaturally, promptly, whatever the word is, shown 
the opportunity that has been laid before them. Oh, Father, how many New Agers that are out there right now that are some of the loving, most accepting, kind people that have ever walked the face of the earth. Unbelievable, but they're misguided because they have been robbed of the understanding that Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords and that he is God. And for each and every one of them, Father, that could be grabbed by the, by the presence of the Holy Spirit and throw themselves at your mercy, Father God, confessing of their sins and, 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 and their ignorance associated with who they were. But they are full of love. They're loving people. They're humble people. They're kind people. It, 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 they have all of the ingredients of the bride of Jesus Christ already ready to go. They're ready to go to the wedding supper. All they need to know is that Jesus is their God. That John 10:30, I and the Father are one, is their mantra. They need to understand this. They need to fall in love with him. They need the time to do so. And many of these people, Father God, there are so many of these people that have been misled, people that are even in the churches today that have not been properly trained, that have the ingredients, whatever you want to call it, those, those emotional ingredients that are ready. They're ready to go. They're ready to join. They're ready to be a part of that humble, contrite spirit, that, 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 that overflowing love of Jesus that we all need to have for the days that we are in right now so that we can see past the transgressions, we can see past the sin, and pray with all of our hearts that by some supernatural vision or dream or the presence of an angel, Father God, that they would be saved, maybe even become part of the bride of Jesus Christ. Because we will not be standing before you, Lord Jesus. We know that we won't unless we are standing in line at that wedding supper, and that's where we want to be. There's life and death in the power of the tongue, and by the power of the tongue and by the name of the Lord Jesus, I declare that every single person that is hearing my voice will throw themselves at the foot of God and that they will seek him and beseech him, that is, beg him to fill him to, to, to fill you with his love so that your, his love overflows you, that his righteousness fills you, and that you will touch other people's lives, that you will understand that the power in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and a power of our our prayers is what is important today. It is not your, your denomination. It is not your upbringing. It has nothing to do with nothing. It is Jesus Christ who ordains. And we are chosen by him. If you weren't, you wouldn't be listening right now. I promise you that. You are chosen. Never speak negative about yourself, your hopes, your aspirations, your dreams. Cry out to Father, our Father. Cry out to Jesus. Sing songs to him. Have I ever told you you're my hero? Mean it. Get up earlier in the morning. Light a candle. Take communion. Sing a song to him. Become intimate. That thing that you feel uncomfortable, that you feel sometimes in your heart about, but you're not really sure if it's a sin. But you just don't feel right about it. You're just not sure. That behavior that you, that, that you do sometimes that you can't tell anybody about because it's too personal. But you're just not sure. And the Bible doesn't tell you. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of language in the Bible that's ambiguous. 
I'm not going to sit here and list out the words. They are incredibly ambiguous. Get on your knees. Get on your maybe that's the way I pulled out my knee. <laughs> I'm getting on my knees every morning. Wouldn't that be ironic? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But you know what? Think about it. Get on your knees, yourself with oil. Consecrate yourself into the holy hands of our Father and our Lord Jesus. And say, Jesus, I mean, be intense. Your eyes are closed and probably if you're really if you are emotionally overwhelmed with the presence of the Lord Jesus, if you are completely submersed in the presence of the Godhead when you are on your knees in prayer, there is no reason why there shouldn't be tears welling up in your eyes. And if there is, I would be praying about that as well. As I've mentioned many times in the book written by Charles and Francis Hunter, entitled How to Heal the Sick, they tell you in the very beginning of chapters of the book, how they, Charles and Francis, husband and wife, progressed into the ministry slowly. I don't know. All I can tell you is what the book says. The book says that they land, laid hands on over 10,000 people before they saw one healing. Now, if that was an estimation, fine. I don't know. But you know what else they said? I, I recommend that book be read by anybody that can get their hands on it at least twice. But you better have a lot of those post-it notes that look like little arrows because it's going to be full of post-it notes. Those little pointer, pointer arrows. The book will be full of them. And it will be one of those that you lend to somebody and you never see again. Praise Jesus. Go buy yourself another. But they said in the very beginning of the book that they, didn't, they knew that they didn't love, the, love our Father the way that they should. They knew that they didn't love him with all of their heart, their mind, and their soul. They knew that, they, that Jesus was not their first love. They knew that. And then Charles and Francis, every day when they would get up, they would walk around and they would say, we love you, Father. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Father. We love you, Jesus. We love you. We love you. We love you. I love you more than anything. I'm obsessed with you. I want to be in your presence all the time. I want to serve you for the rest of my life. You're all I want to think about. I love you. We love you. We love you over and over again. They kept on saying it over and over again. And by golly, if they didn't fall absolutely head over heels in love with the Lord Jesus and our Father. Because why? There's life and death in the power of the tongue. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. That's why we have to confess of our sins. We have to speak it forth. It must be spoken. Father, I have done this thing. I don't like it. I don't... Talk to Jesus. I... I don't feel comfortable about this. I don't know if it's a sin or not. I don't know what to think. If it's not in your holy will, if I'm not walking in perfect harmony with who you want me or how you want me to feel or behave or whatever it is, please guide me away from it. Leave me. And if there's something that you know that you are doing that you shouldn't ought to be doing, but it's extremely difficult to quit doing, just Give it. You say, Jesus, I need your help. Jesus, I and but but it's an intimate thing. You're not praying. It's not like a prayer. I, I'm trying to help you understand the difference between when you pray, which is intimate. Don't get me wrong. It is intimate. But there's a different level of intimacy when you are sitting there sharing things that you wouldn't even tell your own mom. 
There's a different level of intimacy when you are immersed in the presence of Jesus. You are looking him in the eyes. You are talking to him, and he's the only one you would ever tell. There's no pastor, there's no brother or sister, there's no aunt or uncle, there's no mom or dad under any circumstances that you would share that information with at all. There's no way. You wouldn't do it. And that's exactly what you need to be talking to Jesus about. And the reason why I know something about this is because I had to go through this. And I'm not done with it. Because there's way, way too much that the Bible doesn't tell us about how we feel, our behaviors, things that we do, things that we think. There's a lot of stuff that the Bible doesn't, it's not clear on. I want to be, Titus 1.15, to the pure, all things are pure. From the bottom of my heart. I am constantly talking to the Lord. And if it's something that's intimate or something that I'm not sure about or whatever the case is, and I always check myself, I'm always self-examining myself, wondering. You can feel sometimes in your spirit when it just doesn't set right, even though the Bible doesn't say, boy, I can give you a big list. Praise God. We should all be seeking that level of intimacy with the Lord. Just don't expect... One of my biggest mistakes and one of the reasons why I would get depressed and bummed out and feel sorry for myself, you know, because it's additive. You know, one bad thing happening to me can't make me get depressed. One bad thing, three bad things oftentimes can't get me depressed, okay? But, I, but I'll tell you what, if enough of bad things happen to me all at the same time, and the devil knows this, so does the Father. I can get depressed. I can get bummed out. I can fall into a slump. I can feel sorry for myself. Sometimes I feel sorry for myself for all the right reasons. Sometimes I feel sorry for myself because I have every right to feel sorry for myself. Sometimes I look upon all of the things that could be, would be, should be, might have been, and I feel sorry for myself. And none of them are ungodly. Not a one. But allowing yourself to feel sorry for yourself is dangerous. Because it is... It is, it is uh, it's tantamount to standing on the very edge of a volcano where all it would take is a little bluebird to brush up against your hair that you would fall into that pit of fire. It's playing with fire. And sometimes we are not blessed enough in our lives and our walk and the people that we have around us and the friends and the fellowship. And, you know, and it's, it's an extremely difficult place to be for us in, in our walks. Because, you know, I, I, like if I call my sister right now, well, my sister will tell me, oh, well, Johnny, you just need to go down to the such and such a church. And, uh, and, and here's the secret, Johnny. She, she would always have advice and she would say, here's the, here's the secret, Johnny. You just don't, don't tell them anything that you know. Don't tell them anything that you know. Just go down and hang out with them and eat their macaroni and cheese at their potluck dinners and just to enjoy their fellowship and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, I love my sister, but she don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> when someone knows the stuff that we know, that is not 
an acceptable uh, group of people to be hanging out with. You need to be able to uh, share. You need to be able to um, it's like James, the first part of James five sixteen, where where you know I call it the uh, misery loves company um, scripture. It says you know share your faults with one another that ye may heal. That's a bunch of baloney. That is not properly translated. That is not what it means, and it's not trespasses either. It's really what it's talking about is we're supposed to share the things that trouble our hearts, share the trials and tribulations and the things that we are troubled by. Okay, so that we are able to. Uh, oh, I'm going through that too, brother. I'm going to. Yeah, I'm really. Con- concerned about CBDCs. I don't want to have my bank account locked down. How am I going to feed my children? What should I, how much of rice should I go buy? What, uh, you know, when is all this stuff going to go down? I'm pretty upset about this. Is God going to take us away? Are we going to get raptured before this happens? There's a lot of horrible things that are queued up right now. We need to be able to share this stuff with one another. We need to be able to talk about Planet X causing the world to, 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 to be having this insane weather situation that we're having right now. We need to be able to have those conversations because that is what is going to heal us. There's an old saying, it's called, um, a, uh, when you share, uh, I don't remember exactly how it goes, but it's, it goes something like this. A, a problem shared is a problem halved, H-A-V-E-D, or H-A-L-V-E-D, or whatever, halved, cut in half. A problem shared is a problem cut in half, because when you were able to share the problem with somebody else who understands and empathizes with it, they can come back and say, okay, well, listen, check it out. I've already dealt with the CBDC thing, and yes, it is imminent. It could happen tomorrow. Yes, we all know that, but you've got to trust God. You've got to believe, but I do highly recommend that maybe if it is at all possible and you have the money in the bank, you might want to go out and take a little bit of money out so you have a little bit of cash when the ATM machines go down, and at least you can buy a little bit of extra food and, and then prepare yourself spiritually to trust God to fill that that empty pot that you and all of your children and family are going to gather around before you go to bed at night and lay your hands on, put the lid on it and say, Father, we are hungry. And in the name of Jesus, we pray that you will take care of us and we will wake up and this pot will be full of food. Thank you, Jesus. If I had a dime for every time I have heard a missionary's testimony for when they were completely out of food or completely out of gasoline or completely stranded in the middle of an extremely dangerous situation, or there were soldiers that were rifling through their cars and they were about to be killed for the videotapes that were in the back of the trunk and then they prayed silently they said father make good eyes blind and deaf ears a good ears deaf in the name of jesus and and the, and the malawi guards would say go on you are fine and they would drive away and say holy moly thank you jesus it was a miracle of the lord jesus christ that that pot was full of food when i woke up the next day and these are the kinds of miracles that we are going to be blessed with in the days ahead now are we going to possibly leave before it gets that bad? Yes. If we're part of the barley harvest, yes. If we're part of the first fruits, yes. If we are producing talents, yes. If we are praying our eyeballs out, praying for the sick, praying for the um, uh, the, the, the lost, praying for our fellow brothers and sisters and our saints, um, uh, doing good things, giving until we can't stand it anymore, and just helping people that need help, uh, being good to the widows and, and visiting the orphans and whatever else we have been instructed to do, because we read our Bible, we understand our word, and we understand who we are in Christ, and we have become it. And when we have become it, we have no reason to believe otherwise than that we would be part of the first fruits at barley harvest, and we would be standing before Jesus Christ at the wedding supper, because that is who he is looking for. He is looking for, well, it's all over the Bible. It just tells you what what we're all supposed to be.
And, oh, gosh, guys, I'll just tell you this. I'm not going to name any names. But in 12 years of inviting guests, many of which are serial authors, have written many, many books, have been on Sid Roth's It's Supernatural, um, uh, many of which who are extremely well-known, been on Jim Baker's program many times. Uh, you know, no matter what – this isn't about – now, I'm not. I'm name dropping only to let you know that these are people who you would think are really, really, really good, loving, kind, anointed Christians. And folks, I'm here to tell you, I've had private conversations with a lot, dozens. And when they know there's nobody else on the phone, let me tell you something: their true colors get shown, and they say things. I have had, quote, Christians who have been on television programs, written multiple books, extremely well-known, and like, for example, one in particular, I remember, uh, I remember calling and talking about how the radio show worked and everything, and the person was like, well, how much are you going to pay me? Do you know who I am? I am the most well-known this, that, and the other thing, and, and, and you're, are you wasting my time? How much is this going to cost? And just ripping me apart. And I'm sitting there with the phone in my ear on my own personal time on the weekend talking to this person who is known throughout all of Christianity as being one of the most anointed godly men in, 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 out there. And, the, and I, I was like talking to Satan himself, and tears are pouring down my face while he's doing whatever it is he was doing, speaking for Satan. I've had, get, oh, Whew. folks, I could, I could sit here for two hours and tell you story after story. Couldn't tell you any names, but I can tell you they're very, very famous. Very, very, very famous. So when the Bible says they will come to me that day and say, Lord, Lord, have we not cast out devils in your name? Have we not prophesied in your name? And Jesus says, be gone from me, ye doers of lawlessness. I have not known you. If you know Jesus, then you know love. If you know Jesus, you know humility. If you know Jesus, you know being self-sacrificial. You know the beatitudes. You know how to have a contrite spirit. You know how to fear God. had a conversation with a friend recently who was like explaining to me their perception of fear of God and I was like, Well no. Why would you why would you say that? Well, because of this, that or whatever. And I'm like, No, Jesus Jesus told us right up. Jesus told us exactly what fearing God means. Anybody who's out there who says it, well, fearing God is having reverence for his mighty glory. No, that's the biggest pile of bovine feces you will ever hear, and it comes out of the mouth of 90% of the Christians that are out there. That is bunk, okay? Jesus told us exactly. He said, fear him. Fear him who has the ability to cast soul and body into hell. It is about fear of hellfire. Thank you, Jesus. And you might say, well, how are we supposed to love somebody? No, see, what happens is, I loved my father, my father, my earthly father. I loved him a lot. I admired him. I admired his education level. I admired that he used to be part of the Glenn Miller orchestras. Um, I I thought he was incredible. I didn't like it when he took the 
two-by-four cut into the shape of a paddle. And he even had to, you know, go the extra mile and get a big old Sharpie marker and write the word paddle on the paddle and then put big old nails up. And I don't know how he did it, but he must have drilled them in or something into the concrete block in the basement downstairs. But that was the official paddle area. And, of course, if... You know, we had 35 different foster brothers, and I, ha- I had 35 different foster brothers and sisters, many of which were <clears throat> wards of the court or pregnant, young pregnant girls that my mom and dad took care of, which put me in an extremely awkward growing growing up situation, very, very awkward. <clears throat> and when the um, when the kids were bad and they wouldn't come clean, which, of course, they never will, then I had to get paddled with all of them. Oh, I used to think that was so unfair, and I'd get so angry. But I loved my dad. I loved my dad. I didn't even realize how much I loved him until he died. Most people today don't understand spare the rod and spoil the child. They don't understand loving a parent that is that is has no um, hesitation to pull the paddle down off the wall and let you have it. And if you don't dread that paddle, it is ineffective. If you don't dread hellfire, hell is ineffective. And if you don't dread hell, then you don't understand fear of God. And that's a wonderful thing because when there's positive and negative reinforcement, when there's a black terminal and a red terminal connected to that battery, guess what happens? The current of the Holy Spirit flows and you are heavily motivated to be want to want. Maybe you start out through the fear of God. Maybe you progress a little bit and the fear of God becomes the beginning of wisdom. Maybe it causes you to seek God more because you don't want to go to hell. And we cried out to Jesus Christ with all of our might. If those men were not in that foxhole in Vietnam, every one of them would be in hell. Positive reinforcement is well known, and I'm talking about psychologically, whatever the case is, human nature, human behavior. I'm an expert in it. I was going to be a psychologist when my dad talked me out of it, but I'm here to tell you I really do understand it very well, and I'm here to tell you something else, that positive reinforcement is well known to be highly, many times more effective at getting an individual to do what they ought to do than negative reinforcement is. But let me tell you what, you put the two together, (laughs) and you got yourself a winner. And that is exactly why our Father is how he is, because he is holy, holy, holy. The Lord God, watch out for the number three. Watch out for the number three. When you hear something three times, holy, 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 that moves it up a thousand times bigger and and more. It's unbelievable. If it was uh, on a scale of one to a thousand, if it was sitting at a ten at holy, when it goes to holy, 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 it goes to a thousand in a split second. Okay, it is unbelievable. And our Father is just that holy. He made the rule of the universe. He is the judge of all. He <coughs> excuse me, he is the judge of all. He is the God of gods. It says in the Bible he is Yahvael, God of gods, minor gods. I don't understand why people struggle with these concepts. They're so simple. They're right in your face. They're written right in the Bible, yet people miss them all the time. What are you? 
What did Jesus say to the, the people that were gathered, the multitudes that were gathered in front of them when they were when they were when I guess some of the Pharisees were uh, commenting on, oh, how can you call yourself the Son of God? That's blasphemy. And Jesus looked over at him and he said, in John ten thirty four, he said, Have I not said in your law that ye are gods? That's a little G, by the way. Isn't it fascinating how people who write so many books miss that scripture? Isn't it fascinating how many people think that the followers of Jeroboam, when they went up onto their roofs to give drink offerings and incense offerings and all that other stuff to the host of heaven, that they were doing it to the planets and the stars? Really? Host body, yea, saith the Lord of hosts. Lord of hosts has nothing to do with planets. It has nothing to do with the sun. It has nothing to do with the universe. It has nothing to do with any of that stuff. A host body is a host body. Okay, your cat is a host body. Now, it doesn't have the spirit man inside of it like we do. Okay, but I would not call animals not un- unsentient. And I know there's no such word as unsentient, but I'm going to make it up, and that's just how it is. Okay, uh, hopefully you understand my point. Anybody who doesn't understand that elephants cry when they see their babies being mistreated or whatever the case is, I've even seen an elephant in a recent video walking across with its entire – what do they call the elephant? Is it, it's, it's not a pride. That's lions. But when there's a big bunch of elephants, and like 30 of them, and, and they are crossing across the road. I just saw this on a video. I couldn't believe my eyes. They were crossing across the road. Uh, there were cars that were kind of backed up. And stopped in the middle of the road waiting for the elephants to go across and after all the elephants and little baby elephants and all you know and there were a lot of little babies and they were going across the street and when they all got across the street one of the big bull elephants came back to the street for a second looked down the road at the cars and nodded his head in thanks Praise God. Things are so much bigger than we think they are, folks. Heaven is so much more amazing than we can ever imagine. The glory of God is more amazing than we can ever imagine. Anybody who's been taken to heaven, and I've had so many of them on the radio show, and we're bringing more people on that have been taken to heaven, um, and, and it's, it's all different degrees. I mean, some people get taken to heaven, but they never get to go into the city of God. Some people get, to get taken in heaven, but the only thing they ever see are the suburbs, you know, where the little uh, Thomas Kincaid homes are at. Some people stand right outside the pearly gates, but they never get to go inside. But if you don't understand how heaven is laid out, if you don't understand what the rules are, if you don't understand how things work from studying it for years and years and years and reading lots of books about it, then you you won't understand it. And that's, I'm not picking on anybody. I mean, not, we don't all have time. I have friends that have kids, and they're rambunctious. They're little boys, and they're all over the place. They climb over the furniture like a bunch of monkeys, okay? And that's just how they are. And, you know, and I'm not saying they're being up, uh, up, you know, brought up in, inappropriately or anything. They're just very high-energy children, <clears throat> you know, and, and if their dad didn't cook them constant cupcakes all the time. They might not climb around as much. I'm just joking. But anyway, <laughs> and if he listens to this, he's probably going to be laughing. But the point is... That's a big responsibility. You know, I had a believer talking to me on the phone. Now, no names were dropped or anything, but he was telling me, oh, well, everybody ought to be doing this for Jesus, and everybody ought to be doing that for Jesus, and and just going on and on and on. And I said to him, well, there are some people that have big families. They're taking care of children. They don't have the kind of time that you have. I said, do you have any children? No, I don't have any children. It's just me and my wife. Okay, well, and, and he said, I don't care. They still should be doing all this stuff. And I'm like thinking, I said, you know what, brother? I love you. 
But let's just agree to disagree. And that was our last conversation ever. And that's okay with me. I, as a matter of fact, I'm actually relieved when I meet a brother who's so dead stuck on thinking that what they're or a sister that's so dead stuck on thinking that what they're doing is unimpeachable and that their way is the only way or the highway. When that person, when I, when I am able to say, I love you, but let's just agree to dis- disagree, and it results in them kind of going their own merry old way, then guess what? I'm relieved of the problem of having to deal with that kind of self-serving arrogance again. I don't want to have to deal with it over and over again. So if God kind of like nudges them away from me, that's a good thing for me because I got a lot of work to do and I don't want to have to be constantly coaching somebody who's got some notion in their head that's come from nowhere. When you got to take care of your family, you got to take care of your family. If you got little babies that have to be fed and diapers that need to be changed, you got to do those things. There's only so many hours in the day. Some people have two-hour commutes both ways, two hours in, two hours back. One of them had contacted me and said, boy, I feel really um, uh, – I'm a kind of a little bit scared because I know that we're supposed to be drawing closer to Jesus, and I just don't have any time because of the kids and my wife is – you know, and we work on these different schedules, and it's just extremely hard to juggle. And I, I said to him, how long is your commute? And he's like, oh, well, I, gotta, I think it's about 90 minutes, maybe sometimes you know, two hours depending. I'm like, there's your, there's your answer, brother. That commute is your prayer time. That commute is your praise time. That commute, tears ought to be dropping out of your eyes. That commute, you're talking to Jesus the whole way. That commute is your gift from God. And he literally went, what? Wow! He goes, I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I didn't know this was going to turn out to be a Leonard Ravenhill evening. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Father. We praise you, Father, and we thank you for the opportunity, the electronics, the, the times that you have saved my job, the times that you've done such amazing things, the times that you told me. Do I know who I am? Do I know who you are, Father? What a slap in the face that was. What a spark of fear of God I got when you said that to me, Father. And what a wonderful thing that I can look back on it over and over and over again and remember that I don't have anything to fear. I realize that what I do on this radio show lines me up for a long prison sentence. I get that. But I wouldn't trade it for anything. I have never ever since that since our father saying to me do you know who i am you just i'd spent over an hour and a half bawling to him in fear please help me father and his answer to me was do you know who i am And I stopped in my tracks, right at the doorway of my bedroom, heading to the office. And I felt a chill go down from the top of my head, right down my spine. I was frozen in my tracks. And I wiped the tears and the snot off my face like a little kid. And I sat there, I mean, I walked 
toward the office and astonished, feeling like the biggest horse's patoot that was ever grown from the bottom of a rock. And from that point forward, I don't have any fear about this. Now, don't get me wrong. It's one thing not to have fear over grabbing a microphone and doing radio shows, even though you're talking about things that people have been putting in jail for. That's one thing. But I do sometimes have fear about other things. Because there's this notion that I got into my head, which is a wrongful notion. Hopefully it's not a sin, just a weakness. But there's this notion I got into my head that as long as I'm doing, where, by the way, there's a lot of truth to this, by the way. Scripturally sound truth to this, by the way, so you know. But because our Father said to me, do you know who I am? In the context of me being on my knees and crying out because I knew my life was over because everybody that was attacking me, you know, I'm talking about, I'm, I'm not going to get into all the details, but it was, it was an onslaught. <clears throat> and my my job was at stake and I would lose my house and the domino effect would have been absolutely devastating extremely difficult to pull myself out of if at all and so in the context of that I knew exactly why I was crying out to him I wanted to continue to serve him I wanted to continue to do the radio show I wanted to continue to help people the whole reason I set up the Tribulation Now website back in 2009 long before there was a radio show was because I wanted to help people I wanted to warn them about all the things that were coming I couldn't stand it that they didn't know I had to help them I had to help them okay so my 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 motives were always pure and in and and that's why I was crying out to the Lord you know in the context oh oh, no I'm not gonna be to do the radio show anymore. My whole life is going to be destroyed. This is my life. My life is serving God. I don't want anything else. The only reason I want my job is so I'm able to, you know, to, to help people. That's it. To be able to do this program. I, I don't want any tithes and offerings. I don't want a PayPal button. I don't want any of that stuff. Okay, praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And so it was like all of, everything that I would had a reason to live for, to, a reason to breathe for was my father and, and serving God. And when that was at stake, that's when I flipped out and started crying my eyes out, begging him for help, because I was doomed. And he said, do you know who I am? The unfortunate weakness that I have is that that event, I really have to try hard to remember that event outside of the context of the radio show. I don't know if you understand what I'm talking about. Because, okay, so if you know your scripture well enough, you would understand that, you know, like it says in the book of James, and I don't remember the chapter and verse, but it basically says, um, you, you ask, but you do not receive because you ask amiss to spend it on your own lust. Um, you've got John 14, 12, 13, and 14, where it says that the Father may be glorified. Whatever you ask in my name, that shall be given to you, that the Father will be glorified in the Son, that the Father will be glorified in the Son, that the Father will be glorified in the Son. See, when you understand that, uh, and also I learned through the School of Hard Knocks, and boy, I'm telling you, these are some seriously hard knocks. These are these are the kind of hard knocks that are Amityville horror, and, and most people, I don't, you know, I should be dead. 
I should be dead. Let me tell you something. The Lord prophesied that you're going to be doing something, and he did it. You know, I don't care if it was 50 years ago. And the Lord, and you got a prophecy over you that you're going to do this and that and this and that for the Lord. And you remember, and then you start praying and asking him if you can do something else. Be careful what you ask for. Take that to the bank, because the next couple of years of your life might be hell on earth. So in the context of wanting to serve the Lord, that the Father may be glorified in the Son, uh, you know, that I don't want to be friends with the earth, but I want to be, you know, I, I, I don't want to be at enmity with God, you know, understanding who it is that we are. Understand, see, when, when you're doing what the, what, what the Father wants you to do, when you are walking in his will, when you are serving the kingdom, do you have more divine protection than other people do? And I can tell you as a fact that you do. So naturally, my peanut brain, my tiny little amoeba-sized brain, would think that in the context of trying to protect the, the radio show, when the father said to me, do you know who I am, that maybe that wouldn't be applicable to some of the other problems that I have in my life. And all I can tell you is, wrong answer. The challenge here is to recognize, for me, if this is my challenge, it's your challenge too. We're all part of the body of Christ. None of us are greater than the other. We're washing each other's feet. Pastors don't get a bigger mansion in heaven. You know, the only ones that I've ever heard that get a bigger mansion in heaven uh, are the missionaries, because they've dedicated, you know, for obvious reasons, the ones that are serious, like Sammy Mwangi. The mistake that we can make, which I make, which I make, is I recognize that our Father, if you're serving our Father and you're serving Him and he, you're pleasing Him and you're doing good things, and you know, um, uh, like it says in John fifteen sixteen, um, it says, uh, "You did not call me, but I, I, you did not choose me, but I chose." I'm doing this from memory, so. You, if I drop a couple of bits, please forgive me. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I ordained you that you should go and bear fruit, and your fruit should remain. All that simply means is that the, that the fruit of your works is going to ultimately result, uh, whether in full or in part, that individual making it into heaven. All right? It will not be for no good reason. It will be fruit that remains. All right, and and so when you are able to embrace those dynamics, there's this little part of your brain that's going to tell you, oh, well, I'm having another problem over here. Oh, I may never walk again. Okay, I'm going in there, and and and, and the surgeon is working on my knee, and there's a, you know, this is a far worse problem than he told me about. I mean, he was having so many so much trouble when he was operating on my left knee, so much trouble operating on my left knee. That he had, he literally grabbed my left leg like he was wrestling a crocodile because he had this 
device or something, and I could feel it vibrating inside, and as and and he was, it went and it hurt. It hurt so bad, and you have to understand, I was under a, a local that was so powerful, had so many needles associated with the local around my knee that they had to knock me completely out for over five minutes because I would not have been able to tolerate the pain associated with the needles going in to my leg. They knocked me out so fast that I didn't even know I was knocked out. I, I literally asked the anesthesiologist, I said to him, why? I said, when are you going to knock me out so that you can you know, give me the local? And he goes, oh, we already did that. I said, no, you didn't. He said, yes, we did. And I said, how come that stuff isn't available at CVS? I'll never have to take Valerian Root again. I don't know if I said that exactly, but let me tell you something. I had them cracking up. <laughs> but that's just me. Um, but, yeah. He was working so hard on my leg that that while he was in the process of doing this and twisting my leg, it was I was under partial anesthesia, full body, humongous local anesthetics at the knee. Everybody does it. Anybody who goes in for uh, you know meniscus repairs or whatever, that's they do that all the time. They came right out and said, "Hey, you can do this. Everybody does this. You know, it's no big deal. If you want to be awake, no problem." So I'm like, "Okay, sure. If I don't have to be completely knocked out and sit in some sort of a waiting room for three hours and go home at a normal time, you know, whatever." I was like, "Sure, no problem. I don't care. I don't have to sit there and stare at the guy." But it was hurting horribly. But I wasn't, you know, it wasn't like I don't know. I can't explain it. I wasn't. I don't know why. I I just. It was like when you're being drilled in the dentist office and they're, you know, ugh, some of the things that, you know, they're just so agonizing, but you can't scream out because for obvious reasons. And one of the nurses looked at me and said, sir, are you in pain? And I said, and I managed to get out, you know, yes, I, a lot. And, and uh, the surgeon goes, put him under. <laughs> I mean, it was that fast. He goes like, put him under. And I was like, <laughs> okay, I know that he had trouble. I know that there were complications. I, I know what he came and t said to me. I know the pictures that he showed me. I, I heard every word that he said. And I, like I said, I suspect that the reason why he showed me why I was under anesthesia was because he wanted to be able to say that he did show me without me likely remembering everything that he said. But I do. And I could be afraid. I could easily be afraid that I may never be an elliptical trainer again. I may never ride a bicycle again. As a matter of fact, I even said to him when he was uh, – after the consultation, he was walking out of the little whatever, that little area they put post-op. And, and, and I said to him, I, I'm really looking forward to working out on my elliptical trainer. And that man – this was not a young surgeon, by the way. This is a guy who's been doing this all his life. And he stopped in his tracks, and he turned and faced me. And there was fire shooting out of his eyes. And he said, you don't touch that elliptical trainer until I say so. And my eyes got big and round like saucers. And I said, okay. <laughs> okay. So at least he didn't rob me of the hope of it. But I, there's so many things that I could be afraid of, so many things that I could roll around and sweat in my sheets. You know, like the scripture says, you make your seat, sheets wet or, or whatever. Um, uh, it, 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 there's so many things. There are things still going on at work. It's never ending. It never ends. I even have a little sticker on my laptop. It was given to me by one of the listeners of the radio show. I absolutely love it. I'll read it to you right now. It's beautiful. I think we should all have this scripture. I, I'm sorry, this saying. This is a saying, not a scripture. It's, it's a sticker, and it says, It always seems impossible until it's done. 
It always seems impossible until it's done. Can you imagine... Can you imagine what the sculptors of Mount Rushmore thought after they accepted the job and they lowered the, uh, what do they call those wooden things that they lower down the, oh gosh, it's scaffolding. Okay, they lowered the scaffolding down. They're sitting in front of this big rock. I mean, it's this gigantic mountain-sized rock. Okay, they're probably, you know, far enough away from each other that, you know, they're like maybe, you know, it's hundreds of feet, hundreds, maybe more. Okay, and, and you know, one guy's name's Tony and the other guy's name's Charlie. And they both accepted the deal. They signed the contract and they pulled their scaffolding down very carefully, scared because if they so much as slip one tiny little bit, they are going to fall to the and splatter all over the place. Uh, can you imagine the first day when they're sitting, when they're standing on that scaffolding, they just signed the contract, and, and there they are with their pickaxes and their dynamite, and they're looking at one another and going, what have we done? <laughs> can you imagine how they felt the first couple of days, thinking to themselves, Man, what have we done? <laughs> Do you know what we just signed? Do you know what that contract says? <laughs> Do you see how big this rock is? And so that's kind of like our walk in Christ. I apply it to my job because I'm not saying anything. This is not puffed up in this. This isn't anything. This is just, I'm just handing you information. As simple as that. But wherever I work, they quickly discover that I'm able to do things that the other folks can't and that I'm very good at handling customers and turning lemons into lemonade and all that kind of stuff. And then what they do is they queue up all the really, really super hard stuff that nobody else can do or nobody else would want to do, and they give it to me. And that's why I have that sticker on my laptop because everything that they hand to me in my job looks absolutely impossible. I don't have enough hours. The customer's going to be impossible. What they're asking me to do is incredibly difficult, if not seemingly impossible. But apply that to your life. Apply that to your walk. Apply that to that difficult, narrow path. Seems impossible, doesn't it, sometimes? And you know what? If it doesn't really seem impossible at all to you, time to self-examine. Time to take another look at yourself. Make sure you don't have any presumptuous sin. Make sure you have a contrite spirit. And praise God for His incredible grace and unbelievable mercy. But always know that what we're going through right now may very well seem impossible 
until Jesus is throwing Andy, Andy Scandies at you for getting the question right at the marriage supper. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Anyway, Father, we just want to praise you for this opportunity to get together and to just share things, to encourage one another, to get excited about the, uh, the job that we have been given, to understand the glory that, 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 that awaits us, uh, to, to try to get ourselves, our, our hearts and our minds around, uh, you know, the magnitude of all the things that are a part of who we are, to, to you know, while we're looking at things in, in our flesh and struggling with, you know, how are we going to get through it and thinking to ourselves how impossible this feels, knowing that all we got to do is make it one day or maybe even one hour at a time, praising you all the way and spending that intimate time talking to you, Jesus, falling in love and telling you, Father, every day when we wake up as we raise our hands in the dark bedroom and our feet hit the floor, this is the day that the Lord hath made, and we shall rejoice and be glad in it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God. You know that I've been asking for this. You know that I've been asking for that. You know that I've been praying over this for a couple of years, but you know what? I know that you're going to give it to me. I praise you for giving it to me. I know that you're going to give me the help that I need. Need because you are not a father that that, that, that would lie to us. You, 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 we know what your scripture says. We understand and we praise you. We know that you're coming through. We are going to continue to pray. We will not cease praying. We are going to believe and we know that you are going to come through. And if you take on that attitude and you understand that it might look impossible, but you know that it is because you know who your father is. And then guess what? Just one foot in front of the other. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. All right. So let me see if I can even do what I want to do here. Mm. You can always. There it is. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right. So. Today is Friday, August the 4th. The time now is 8.43 on the east coast of the United States of Babylon the Great. And the Hebrew date is the 17th of Av, 57.83. And tonight together we will light the Sabbath candles or the Shabbat candles. Remember that you can have precious time, dedicated time with your father, your own Sabbath if you want, on any day of the week. You can eat whatever food you want to eat. Um, just read Romans 14 and understand that we're not under those mandates. Okay, you don't have to avoid shellfish if you don't want to, but you can, and it's okay. Praise God that we're not under the law. All right, and and oh, anybody who's read the book of Galatians that still thinks we're under the law has not understood a single word the entire book said. <laughs> okay, so anyway, thank you, Father God, for this opportunity to be able to share, to encourage one another, to be able to touch one another's lives, to be able to share, uh, like it says in James 5.16, you know, um, uh, to, to not to share our faults or our trespasses, but to share our worries and our concerns and, and, and trials and tribulations with one another so that we can encourage one another and help one another to be able to understand how we dealt with it or how that person might be able to deal with it so we realize that we're not alone because we're not. We're not alone as far as brothers and sisters are concerned in Christ, and we are not alone because we have our Lord with us. But remember, even our Heavenly Father said to Adam, 
that he knew that he was lonely. So there's nothing wrong with admitting that you wish you had more fellowship, even while you know that Jesus is always with you. This is a time when we all wish we had a little bit more, a few more people in our lives, many of us have none, that we can share our concerns with and have our worries. But just remember, this walk always looks impossible until we're there. And believe me, we will be. You know, I believe with all my heart that when we are at the wedding supper, we'll look back on these days. Because right now, probably isn't a one of us who doesn't look ahead to 2024 and say, this is taking forever. There probably won't be a one of us at the wedding supper that looks back on these days and said, wow, that went by really fast. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Hallelujah. And now that we have lit the candles, ooh, I didn't get my chalice out. So anyway, the Hebrew Kadesh. God bless you all. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Borei Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Asher kitshanu b'mitzvotav v'ratzavanu V'shabat kodsho v'avahu v'ratzon hinchilanu Zikaron l'mase v'reshit Ki hu yom Lemikrae Kodesh Zechelitziat Mitzrayim Kivanu Vacharta Veotanu Kidashta Mikol Hamim Vishabhat Kodshecha Be'ava Uvratzon Hinchaltanu Baruch Adonai Mekadesh Holy Lord Jesus, please cleanse and totally purify our heart, our mind, our soul, our spirit, and our flesh, our record-keeping books in heaven, and our robe and gown in heaven with your precious blood, and Father, your holy fire. In the mighty name of Jesus, Father God, we confess of our sins before you, even those of which we do not know that we have committed. We pray that you will guide us through your mercy to walk in complete harmony with your holy will. To the pure, all things are pure. 
Let us not have a spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that we should be holy and without a blemish, but only through your mercy. For if we seek ye first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, all this other stuff, Everything will just, oh, Father, we just praise you will be given to us. We praise you, Father God. We pray that it is your righteousness that overwhelms us, that gives us the courage to continue to take each one of those impossible steps, to seek you with all of our heart, and to give you all of the glory. Praise you, Father, for your mercy. Thank you, Father, for your mercy and your lessons. You're teaching us because you love us. And you want to bring us to an expected end. Thank you, Lord. Holy Father God, in the name of Jesus, by the blood of the Lamb of God, any entity of the darkness, worker of saint and live or dead human spirit, member of a witch coven, anything that cannot call Jesus Christ its Lord and Savior, that at the moment that they set their wills against us, that they shall be immediately struck by the holy fire of God. In the name of Jesus, we declare the fire of God and a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit, a thorny hedge of protection to swirl around our household, to swirl around our dwelling places, to swirl around our cars wherever we go. We pray in the name of Jesus for eight-foot-tall warrior angels to stand guard at, our, at the, open, uh, at the uh, front door of our dwelling places, Father God. We pray in Jesus' name for a platoon of warrior angels on a search-and-destroy mission to ferret out all attempts to come against us. Shut down all demonic portals. We declare the fire of God to vaporize all contracts and all demonic uh, agreements in Jesus' name, to vaporize all earthly and spiritual weapons, to vaporize all fiery dots that are launched against us. In the name of Jesus, we pray that you will make good eyes blind, good ears deaf, in the name of Jesus Christ, and that you will supernaturally protect us and our loved ones in Jesus' name. Father, we pray for those who are close to us, and we ask you by your mercy, Father, in Jesus' name, that if it is at all possible, that you will touch them in a mighty way, somehow, some way, whatever it needs to happen in their lives to awaken them, to bring them closer to you. Father, even if they have to become foolish virgins, a part of the grape harvest, and be cast into the great tribulation, we pray in the name of Jesus that their souls will be saved, and we know that they will be. And we praise you for that. We thank you, Father God. We pray for all of our aunts, our uncles, all of our friends, all the people that we've known in our churches over the years. We pray for, Father, I pray for every single person who's ever lifted me up or does lift me up by name, even uh, briefly in prayer, Father God. I ask you for a tenfold anointing upon them and divine protection around them and their jobs and their families. Father God, I pray in the name of Jesus that every listener of this program, past, present, or future, in Jesus' name, will be reminded supernaturally of what was what they had learned and that he will be brought into the fold and draw in closer to you, Father God, as the days grow darker and they will be awakened at the very least, cast into the great tribulation where they will have the seal of God on their forehead and be protected from the locust, Father God, in Jesus' name, and ultimately be taken out in Revelation 14 and brought to the marriage supper as part of the guests. In the mighty name of Jesus, Father, we lift up all of these people. We lift up ourselves. We lift up our jobs. We lift, we believe, we believe, and we know the power of prayer. And we pray, Father God, that we will operate throughout this week under open heavens, Father, in Jesus' name, that there will be a fire vortex, a holy fire vortex that is wrapped around all of the prayers, all of our praise, and it will melt through the firmament of the rock, scattering the demons of darkness and fear and horror in the name of Jesus. And we pray this and stand upon it by the power of our Father God in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. 
Father, in Jesus' name, we pray that we will operate under open heavens. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that if we slip up even a little bit, that those heavens will stay open. We pray in the name of Jesus and part the spiritual realm as the Red Sea, that the angels will hold it open for us. In Jesus' name, Father, we have a difficult task. We're in difficult days, and we pray in the name of Jesus, Father, that you will lead us, you will guide us, you will place angels in our presence, and they will, just like they have in Bible stories, Father God, that they will cause miraculous things to happen, shift the dynamics in our lives, and direct us in the path that you want us to walk in as we navigate the ambiguity of the very dark days that we are in. We praise your name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We praise your holy name. Hallelujah. Amen. No. Uh-huh. 
collected a couple of um, prophetic words from uh, Julie at Behold I Come. And I'm going to read them to you. It's a lot, but there's some really good stuff in here. And they're recent, too. One of them, this one here was from the 27th of uh, July this year. Excuse me for, hold on a second. Let me clear my throat real hard here. Hold on. All right, there we go. This one is entitled, Who Among You is Suffering? As I woke up this morning, I asked Yeshua to help me understand even more the importance of accepting all types of suffering here in this life. I was specifically speaking to him about physical pain this morning. I have always known it was important to suffer well and that we need a level of understanding in this life in order to learn to overcome. He has given me bits and pieces over the years, but I asked him this morning for a deeper revelation about suffering in this realm. He often gives me one word or a phrase to start with and meditate before he speaks. He started this morning with the word resilience. My beautiful daughter and my beloved ones, there are many of my mysteries now unfolding to those who walk in in a difficult path. Those who journey toward greater and greater intimacy with me, your spouse. I have given you much revelation as as to the distinct groups that have come to this realm after Satan and his angels fell from my kingdom. And I have made a way for all that chose me to be saved. And why the experience of my set-apart ones is tailored in such a way that mastery may be achieved in order that you may overcome not only self and this vessel, but this realm. There is a discipline that must be followed as you walk in obedience. The only way to reach the level of mastery required for greater intimacy is to have a series of experiences that give you the opportunity to make choices, to rise above as you fully surrender, to deny self and flesh, to learn to command your spirit mastery over your soul and to become resilient to anything that is presented here. Wow, how apropos is that? To to each experience, you are to apply the teachings found in my word. I tell you often enough, it is always about your choice and what what I present to you. In that choice, you will either grow and move forward or you will repeat the lesson until it is mastered before moving to the next level. Resilience does not mean to become hardened or numb to the suffering. Rather, it is the higher of the Most High, a race that is meant to be run and run well. You run for a crown that is imperishable, and your destiny is to return to the incorruptible nature. You see this race will be run well. Um, uh, Yeah, race will be run well, because when you are in me, you cannot fail. You simply continue to fall forward, to fall forward. It's interesting. Very scripturally sound choice of words. 
it is a call to be imperv- it, 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 it is a call to be impervious to everything that is anguish or fatigue and no physical pain in the body, no matter how intense any of these are or can be prevent you from continuing to rejoice in it all. It is a call to praise me no matter how much there is hurt pain, suffering of any kind. It is not only giving thanks to the suffer, uh, thanks for the suffering, but asking me what I am desiring to reveal to you through it. It is a call to maintain the disposition and temperance that I have given you as an example, that of the fruits of the Spirit, so that all may see me in you. For you see... I reveal so much of myself when you allow me to work in you through this. Is, um, it is in this way that I carefully and ever so lovingly draw you further and further away from all that, it, that this life is here. My spirit bringing back to you in remembrance the reason why you have come and, uh, and um, what I have purposed for you to do as you sojourn here. The layers of understanding come as... As I gently peel away the walls of reason and logic in this fallen realm and tell you that suffering should not be. In my kingdom, which is your eternal home and where your spirit is always residing, you have access to hidden knowledge that has been kept from you through the reign of darkness in this realm by the enemy of your soul who hated me before he hated you. I have given you the keys to this hidden knowledge, and one of the ways you can access it is through the pain and suffering in this life. Of course, that's including mental pain and all the other stuff. Although Satan has a part in using pain and suffering to harm you, I allow it in order to teach you to walk in your full authority here, which is mastery of all that is under my dominion, because you are heirs to my throne. Does it not say my word uh, in my word that one of you can put a thousand into flight or that five of you will chase a, a, a hundred or a hundred will, will put 10,000 to flight as your enemies fall before you? This is who you are as you walk in me and my truth applying these principles. The path of learning here is not a comfortable path, as the world teaches, but an entirely unique calling that when it, it is followed in my counsel and wisdom will afford you the level of maturity that you are ordained to reach in the time that is allotted here. I'm going to make a comment. I'm going to hold off and make a comment quickly here. This is powerfully true. Um, what I'm trying to help, what I wanted to inject here is as feel for thought is every horrible thing and circumstance that I've had to go through, and particularly the last, going back to like early 2017 or so, um, but really other times as well, all that stuff that I've had to go through, when I look back on it, I can see that where it says here, to the level of maturity that you are ordained to reach in the time allotted here. Remember earlier when I was saying, if we make wrongful choices, even though they seem right for us, we seem like we're making the right choice, but we end up in jail for 10 years and we're not able to touch people the way that we could have touched them if we had taken the left road instead of the right road. Okay, in other words, um, we have to think about, the. Uh, we're, in a, we're in a day and age right now where 
if we're going to walk in the fullness of the of the works that our Heavenly Father has written into our book, Psalm 139.16, Ephesians 2.10, we have to be in harmony. We have to hear that in our ear, that voice behind us saying, this is the way walking it, whenever you turn to the left hand or whenever you turn to the right, Isaiah 40, uh, uh, I'm sorry, 30.21. And if we don't, we may not be able to walk in that which was ordained for us to reach in the time that is allotted here. Okay, that's that's why I'm quoting this part of the of the prophecy right now to just kind of hand lay out an example of of how that it's me, it's you, it's all of us. It is only then when you can rejoice in the pain and suffering and give me thanks and praise that I'm allowing it. Folks, if I have not had not gone through the things that I went through in 2017, 2018, 2019 and stuff, I, I don't even know if I would have, I don't, I, I, pr- I probably would have believed with all of my heart that I was going to be uh, possibly chosen to be part of the bride of Jesus Christ, but I, I wasn't, I'm not the same person today at all. It was going through all the things that I had to go through or that I did go through, even though they were triggered by some bad choices on my part in some cases. But nevertheless, it it all, God brings us to the expected end. And sometimes I, I like what Andrew Womack says sometimes in some of his teachings. I think it's really ap- appropriate and awesome. He says, he says uh, something along the lines of, oh, gosh, let me see if I can remember. I don't want to butcher it. He says um, something along the lines of that, you know, we may we may go the wrong direction or make the wrong mistakes, but God can redirect our GPS. And it's true. I know. I've had mine redirected several times. But when I look at the difference between how I think the testimony that I have, who I can give testimony to much more effectively because of it, how it has changed me, how it has humbled me to realize that – see, I said to somebody just the other day, they were sharing with me stuff, you know, kind of like James James 5a – share your trials and tribulations with one another that you may be able to heal with counsel. The I said to him, I said, I really don't think, I don't, I don't think this is something that God, this isn't like God being mean. So that was my disclaimer. I was saying, this isn't, what, this isn't about God being mean to us. To somebody who is less mature in Christ and way, many, many exits, many, 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 many exits, hundreds of exits behind where maybe we are in our walk, it would seem like God was being mean on purpose, downright mean. But that's not the case. But I said to the person, I really believe with all of my heart that God does not want us to be in a place of comfort. He wants us to be on guard. He wants us to be on guard for the next thing that he's going to allow to happen to us. He wants to keep us in a place where we are utterly dependent upon him. With the, I've had everything taken away from me. 
The only thing I still have is my car, which is paid for. <laughs> Needs a lot of repair, by the way. And um, um, and I'm still in the house, but the, the house is owned by Chase, so they can chase me out of here whenever they want. The point I'm trying to make is I'd, I, the best uh, – how do I say this so it doesn't come out wrong? Because this is a tough one. For me, I would never come to a place where I had to totally trust God if our Father hadn't allowed my life to degrade. In other words, I got nobody to depend on, nobody asked for a loan, nobody to, nobody asked for any help, nobody to turn to, nobody, no human, nobody, 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 nobody. I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining because this is actually a good place to be. And you're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, it is. Because now I'm finally at a place where I don't have any joys. When I pray, I have to trust God. doesn't mean that I don't worry sometimes. There's a reason why Jesus said, don't worry about today. Well, you know, the, 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 we've got enough trouble, you know, in, 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 you know, in today. You know, uh, you get, the, the day has enough trouble of its own. You know, don't worry, just, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. Jesus knows that we're going to worry. That's why he told us that, why he spent so much real estate in the Bible talking about it. But let me tell you, when, when, when God takes away the earthly things, the earthly people, the earthly things that we can we we teach ourselves over time. We learn that our that our mother is going like my father would bail me out whenever I screwed up real bad. He would always bail me out, and so that was part of the loss when my father passed away. Now, don't get me wrong; that wasn't the whole thing. It wasn't that selfish. I was just saying that it, that was the point in time when I realized I had nothing. But don't get me wrong; it's worse than that now. I'm not going to go into a whole long, you know, 20-minute diatribe about all the things that I used to have to fall back on that I have no longer. And why? Suffice it to say, that's the case. One false move on my part. One time that our Father decides he is not going to cover me with his angels. And uh, as they say in the movies, it's curtains for you, boy. <laughs> okay, now, isn't that the Lord can't redirect my GPS? It doesn't mean that it's the end of the end of the end. But it does highly likely mean that the challenge to get back to a steady state where I can effectively serve God unhindered and continue to do the radio show and to do the things that I love, to do to serve God, the reason why I live, other than the fear of God and fear of hell, because, of, you know, <laughs> you know, none of us wants to go to hell, right? So we're not going to, like, you know, move to Canada and ask uh, one of their Dr. Kevorkian facilities to put us under, right? Amen? So, you know, we have to endure, You know, I know a lot of people that feel like they don't have any place to turn to, but they have, you know, a constant steady income. It might be ex-military income. That's rather generous. It might be whatever. 
they may be completely alone. They may have lost their spouse, whatever the case may be, or the, you know, uh, there could be a hundred other things that are very negative in their lives, and, and they may have every reason to be highly concerned about their situation. But nevertheless, when they go to that mailbox, there's going to be a check. At least until the CBDCs come out. So we're all in different places, and if you're in a place right now in your walk where you feel, where, where you know that 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 you are extremely vulnerable, you are literally a phone call away from being homeless. And I mean really homeless. And think about it, folks. Since the pandemic has started and the company's been laying off thousands of people, the customer that I just worked for since April which was one of the biggest, most profitable jobs at my company, single jobs that my company is, or my department has done. It was the first one that I was given. I walked in the door and my boss said, I have something special for you. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, it's happening again. And sure enough, just yesterday, no, I take it back. It was just this morning. I was given news by their senior global director of this, that, and the other thing that they loved my work, everything was great, and their satisfaction is through the roof. And he meant it. Only to find out three hours later from another person, by the way, a listener of the radio show, um, that that same company is laying off 6,000 people. See, now I knew my customer when I was talking to him on the Zoom call. I knew he was stressing out. He did mention that there were certain people that had been replaced and a CEO was getting shifted around and stuff like that, but he didn't tell me the magnitude of the problem. Turned out to be a listener of the radio show that sent, that sent me a text and said, did you know that the XYZ company that you're working for up in Canada uh, is, is laying off 6,000 people and they just lost uh, 28% of their profit in Q2? This is all the while I have my boss and this high-ranking sales guy you know, in a nice way, harping on me to close more sales because they knew that I made I was really good friends with the customer. So they figured that I was their way in to get more sales, to get more jobs. I mean, you're his friend. Come on, talk him into it. Let's get let's get going. Bada bing, bada boom. And then I got the uh, communication: six thousand people laid off. Now that get a multiply that times like what five hundred, a thousand, five thousand. How many people that are in Skid Row right now are new? Have you seen the videos of the endless RVs that go down for mile after mile after mile, 10, 15 miles, just RVs, one RV after another? A lot of those are people that had houses, families. They, you know, they, they have nothing now except them, their kids, no job. Used to be a mom, a dad that was working at a stock brokerage firm or whatever, or some big telecommunications company, and mom was staying home with the kids, and now they're in an RV on the side of the road in Los Angeles. We don't ever want to believe that those things could happen to us, but they can. How many of us know other Christians that have gone through really hard times? For any of us to say that we have never met a Christian that has not gone through hard times, I believe would be an outright lie. Either that or you're just very sheltered. 
Because I can tell you, I've known a lot of them. So all these things are very real, not stuff for us to be afraid of. And none of us know to what degree anyone is close to the Lord and under his divine protection. And maybe, just maybe, some of them needed to go through some hard times to be brought closer to the Lord. But it's all to his divine will. And there's a lot of our brothers and sisters out there that do not understand these concepts. And I'm not picking on them. I'm just saying that it does help to explain the diversity. Why some might have a little or appear to have more divine protection than some others. There, you, you can be a really great church-going Christian that pumps that collection plate like a crazy person. But you don't have that relationship anywhere near you, where you need to be with the Lord. And unfortunately, if that be the situation, you're not going to have that protection. And when that layoff notice for 6,000 people comes out, let me tell you something. I know what it feels like. I was laid off from an ext- one of the world's largest companies in Tampa, Florida. They had a headquarters here, and they didn't tell everybody that they were going to move the operation over to India. And I was laid off with 1,300, 1,300 extremely skilled people from the same company on the same day. Well, not exactly the same day, but anyway. I don't know if you know how hard it is to find a job after you know, when 1,300 extremely skilled people from your company are all out in the streets at the same time. But you're, you know, if they even accept your request to be part of the interview process for a given job, you can expect to be in line for six weeks. I almost lost my house. I couldn't call my dad and ask for a loan. I didn't have any options. So, knowing what the Bible says, I cashed in my 401k. I paid the 30 plus percent penalty or whatever. I took the money that I had in the bank for an emergency, and I started to seed into the kingdom. I started to give it away. And every single morning I got out of my bed and I came into my office and I stood there for two hours straight with my hands lifted into the air and tears coming out of my eyes, praising God. And then I went to job interviews. Very discouraging. Very discouraging for months and months and months. My tiny little severance ran out. Forget about unemployment. <laughs> that might buy you a couple of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. But the bottom line was I was I wouldn't stop giving. I, I said to myself, you know what? If I'm going down, I'm going down giving for Jesus. And I praised him with all of my might. I had my hands up in the air, and I was crying and thanking him, and I meant it. I meant it so much I couldn't, I, there, I don't think I ever praised him with so much fervor, so much energy, so much seriousness, heartfelt praise, as I was getting turned down for, for, from job after job, one after the other, week after week, 
watching that clock tick down. Get a phone call from somebody who was in pain or had a problem or needed help, and I was like, no problem, here you go. And I'd give them whatever. Didn't care. I was in God's hands, full abandon. I was literally probably no more than 30 days to six weeks away from receiving my first letter from Chase Bank to tell me that I was uh, going under foreclosure. And my phone rang. And this woman said, hi, I'm from this company, blankety-blankety-blank, and Mr. So-and-so is going to be up in Jacksonville. We realize that it's a three-hour drive from where you're at, but we sure would like it if you could go up and meet him there on this next Tuesday or whatever at about 8 o'clock in the evening. And I said, consider it done. (laughs) And I jumped in my car, and I drove up there, and there was him and his uh, second-in-command, um, in some kind of a Mexican restaurant, <laughs> drinking a margarita, and I had a margarita with him. And when I walked out of the restaurant, I had a job making more money than I had ever made in my life. That's how our Father works. But praise Jesus, I understood the rules of the road. I read the Bible. I know what it says. I know how the walls of Jericho was brought down. I know what broke the shackles, uh, you know, for Paul and Silas when they were, you know, in the, in the prison. I get it. Thank you, Jesus. That's why it's so critical that we all know our Bibles like the back of our hand and we behave it. No matter how banged we seem to be, no matter how desperate it looks like it's going to be, no matter how miserable, how hopeless, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You keep on going. And that's when the miracle starts happening. He goes on to say, It is only then when you can rejoice in the pain and the suffering and give me thanks and praise that I am allowing it, that you will be transformed from the inner focus on self to a focus of walking as an instrument of righteousness for my glory. This is the molding and the refining that I am doing in you, and in this way you will be fashioned into my image, the image of your creator, as of my glory, um, uh, creator, uh, as, as only I know what is best for you and will bring you to the position in which you are completely emptied, bank account and all, <laughs> in order that the fullest um, uh, of my glory can pour through to others. Ambassadors of light is who you are, and this light is to be is not to be hidden. So shine, my beautiful one. Shine through all the darkness and watch and see what I will do. Your Savior and Shepherd and of your soul, Jesus. Praise God. That is a really powerful message. And I did want to share that with you. Okay, with the time that we have left, let's do communion, but also let's pray for at least one continent of people. For Ezekiel 22.30 says, I sought for a man amongst them who would stand in the gap or stand in the wall behind the gap or between the gap uh, (laughs) that I should save them, and I found no one. Isaiah uh, 6.8 says, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. I used to pray that every single morning with tears in my eyes in the shower. Let me tell you, every single morning, and then stuff started happening. 
<laughs> I mean, stuff really started happening. It was crazy. Praise God. And that really gets you pumped. When you start seeing God move in your life and you know that these things are miracles, it was the weirdest thing. I'll tell you the most trippy, amazing thing. Now, I've had other amazing things happen to me, of course. But this thing, this was wild. So I was in the shower. This is before I'd re- I hadn't been doing radio shows. I hadn't even set up the web- website yet. Nothing. Nothing. I hadn't been doing anything. I knew I wanted to do it. I, I would, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I was like, you know, Thank you for the hot water, Father. Thank you for the drink of water. Thank you for the hot water in the shower. I praise your holy name. Father, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, Father, here I am. Send me. And I used to pray that every single morning, every single morning, every single morning, every single morning. And one morning, I remember I had closed my eyes. Uh, well, of course, you know, at this particular moment, I remember that I closed my eyes. And I saw the face of this woman. It was weird. Now, it wasn't real clear. It was like I could kind of make out her face a little bit, her hairstyle and all that kind of stuff, color there. And I got out of the shower. Now, I don't know why I had this freedom. Maybe it was a Saturday or something like that. I don't remember. But I got, I got dressed, and, like, I went down to my favorite breakfast restaurant, which is no longer there anymore, and I walked in the, the breakfast restaurant to get breakfast. And I looked across the restaurant, and there was that person. But you know what was really amazing? Is that person was sitting across the table from, I don't know, some kind of a nun or something. And I walked over to her and I said, God has something special for you. And the nun or whatever looked over at her and said, see, I told you. And then I just turned around and walked away and went and got myself breakfast. (laughs) It was really wild. Oh, well, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So anyway, I did want to share that with you. But um, let's go ahead and pray real quick for, oh, How about Europe, especially because of what's going on in the Ukraine right now? Although it's really bad stuff is starting to happen uh, in Africa as well. Let's go ahead and lift up the people of the lands of, of Europe right now. Dear Heavenly Father, we hold up symbolically before you a golden bowl of forgiveness on behalf of all of the peoples of the lands of Europe. From the far western sides of Ireland to the far eastern sides of the Ukraine, from the far, far northern sides of Norway to the southern sides of Cyprus and all lands in between. Father, we pray in Jesus' name, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Thank you, Father. Father, we part the spiritual realm as the Red Sea above the lands of Europe for safe passage for heaven's angels, heaven's power, and heaven's glory to move freely, unhindered into those lands in Jesus' name. Father, as a royal priesthood, 1 Peter 2.9, we confess of their sins before thee, Father God. We confess of the sins of their first fathers and their father's fathers until before there was time. We break all yokes of bondage. We renounce all things spoken of in the darkness against them. We break all generational and bloodline curses throughout every branch of their family trees until before there was time in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 
principalities, powers, and strongholds, spiritual host of wickedness and rulers of darkness in high places above the lands of Europe, we come against you. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, by the blood of the Lamb of God, we decree fire swords of cherubim to be shot down from the heavens and to cut you into pieces. We declare the fire of God to launch down from the glory pillar and to burn you in a screaming agony, making a public spectacle of you in accordance with Colossians 2.15 and to disarm you. We decree in Jesus' name hundreds of trillions of legions of warrior angels and archangels to descend upon you and to wage war against you such as never been seen since before there was time in Jesus' name. Unclean spirits, deaf and dumb spirits, anything that cannot call Jesus Christ its Lord and Savior, binding or hindering the hearts and the minds of the lost across all of the lands of Europe. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, we command you, strongmen, come forth. Subordinate spirits, out now. In the name of Jesus, we declare hundreds of trillions of legions of warrior angels to strike you deaf, blind, and dumb, place you under arrest, and cast you into the pit. We declare the holy fire of God to weld the pit shut. We decree the holy fire of God to permeate the pit and to burn you into screaming agony, making an example of you across all of the demonic ether in Jesus' name. And Lord Jesus, we plead your blood upon to seal that pit. For only you, the Lamb of God, can break the seals. Father, we declare the holy fire of God, a thorny hedge of protection, and a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit to blow it right hot to encapsulate them on all sides. Job 1.9. Let nothing unclean re-enter the clean-swept house in Jesus' name. And Father, we pray that the crystal river, the living water, your abundant grace will enter into their spirit, into their heart, into their soul in Jesus' name. And to fertilize the soil therein that they shall receive the seeds of these prayers. These prayers will bear fruit and the fruit will remain. John fifteen sixteen. in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, hallelujah. And Father, we pray in Jesus' name that you will send down an innumerable company of angels of light. And love and the presence of our Lord Jesus, please accompany them. Lift your hand and call them, lift their hand out to them and call them by name. In Jesus' name we pray that their souls will be saved by visions and dreams in the night when deep sleep falls upon men to save their souls from the pit and to seal their instruction. Job 33, 14, and 15. Praise God. Father, we praise you. We know what your will is. Your will be done. You would not want one to perish, and we thank you, Father God, for this gift to the kingdom, this gift to our Lord Jesus, this gift to the people that you will touch through the power of these prayers in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We thank you. Hundreds and hundreds, indeed even millions of dreams and visions we pray, presence of angels, the presence of our Lord Jesus. We call it down upon all of the people, those who suffer and the good and the bad. In Jesus' name we pray and thank you, Father. Amen. Hallelujah. And now let's go ahead and take communion together. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. On the day in which our Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and gave thanks and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this 
in remembrance of me. Then he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes for you. Ani, Badodi, Badodi Lee, I am my beloved, and my beloved is mine. God bless you all. We'll see you next Friday, Lord willing. Hopefully my rating holds up. <laughs> Praise Jesus. God bless you all, and look forward to not being here and standing before Jesus at the wedding supper.
you are from my prosperity. You are strong and I am weak. I pray to the Redeemer. I pray to Majesty. You are the God Almighty. You will always be with me. And I know I will never be.